Hey, welcome to Sleep With Me. This is Scooter. I just want to let you know if you want to help the podcast, one great way to do it is just leave us an iTunes review or rate us or stars or whatever. Or in the quickest way to get there, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash iTunes. And Bob is trying to, hey, Bob, what is it? Hey, Scooter, uh, we, we got a call, Bob. What kind of Scooter? We have a call from Lida with an update on the Children's Museum of Montana, but I think you should do an intro for new people, just a quick five-second one. And then throw it to me to throw it to... Okay. So, yeah, anyway, it's first time here. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We have a new kind of call-in portion. Bob runs our call-in portion. He's the uh, call man, call president of call, call relations. Oh, thanks, Scooter. And Sarsaparilla Soda. Or if we're in Missouri, Sarsaparilla, Coke Sarsaparilla. We had a call-in. We're trying to raise some money for the Children's Mon- Museum of Montana. So we're going to have a little couple-minute call here with an update from Lida. But I just want anybody new here to know, this is a podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with lulling, soothing, meandering discussions. Tonight's about metastasis and breaking bad. Uh, but, you know, this is going to be a wonderful call, I think. Right, Bob? Scooter, this is, you know, not as good as a call about how great I was, Scooter, but pretty darn good. Well, yeah, I mean, they can't get better than calls about you, Bob, but... uh uh, once you shoot, okay, here comes a call from Lida. Hey, Scooter, this is Lida. I want to thank you so very much. I tuned in the other night. I had been traveling and hadn't been able to tune in, but I tuned in the other night, and I heard your plea for help for the Children's Museum. I am absolutely floored by your kindness and your good nature. Our local Children's Museum is a nonprofit it is run purely on donation. We don't get any government help. That being said, we have really cool things like we have an airplane fuselage. We have a dinosaur dig. We have a, a boat that's no longer at sea. We have grocery store in there. We have a little doctor's office with some real working equipment, and it's really cool, and it's a great place to learn. And all of it, every single bit of it, is donation only. We charge $4 for people to come in the door. We're not going to deny a child the right to learn something new hands-on just because their caregiver is not in a position to pay the fee. Um, we have scholarship programs for that. Again, it's all off of donations. So to be broken into and literally have the entire funding taken that was earned that week is phenomenal. It's I cannot even wrap my head around what kind of person would do that, and it, it put us in a pinch. We did not know how we're going to keep the lights on, how we're going to pay the employees. Um, there's all of four employees in the building, but they do get paid. But your guys' kindness and donations and your giving and in your encouragement, it's tremendous and it's incredible. And I'm so very blessed to have, one, found something to help me sleep and two, found a generous group of people that have really gone above and beyond and have wonderful hearts. Um, I want you to know that I am very, very grateful. Um, The stress from this has kept me up some nights, even through your podcast. Imagine that. Thank you. you. You'll never know the awesome, awesome, huge impact you guys have had. And I'm just, I'm so very grateful. Thank you. Oh, wow. Elida, thanks for that update. And anybody who wants to 
donate, just go to sleepwithmepodcast.com slash Montana. We're going to donate some money from the T-shirt shirt proceeds. Thank you for calling in. And I want to thank uh, Alexandra and Laura, the uh, moderators, uh, for fostering the community over at Facebook. Because I think something about friendships developing and then, clear, you know, people saying, hey, geez, what, what do you think? This happened to Lida. So I just want to thank Alexandra and Laura because this is not uh, a one-man operation. It's just, you know, I got Bob here, clearly. But, uh, you know, I stand on your shoulders doing this podcast, and it's no joke. So thank you, Alexandra and Laura. Thank you, Lida, for the update. Let's get on to the show. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. Uh, this is Metastas News, presented by Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. Uh, we do it with an episode discussion of Metastasis, the Colombian Breaking Bad, then another, sometimes a second discussion of the language in Metastasis, then a third discussion of Breaking Bad, the American TV show. Then we try to learn some Spanish words. Then we might, may, if we have time, talk about uh, uh, Colombian history and culture. Uh, so we do it in all those things in a lulling, soothing tone to help you fall asleep. And all you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. And the way it works is uh, I'm going to create a safe place using my lulling, soothing tones just herein described. And I'm going to try to distract you from whatever's been running through your brain or your body or your feelings that's keeping you up at night. Perfectly legitimate, you know, to be up tossing and turning. A lot of us are doing it. And we say, geez, I can't, uh, whatever, you know, I can't quiet my brain down. I can't quiet my body down. I can't get these feelings over them so I can get some sleep. Well, I offer you a little bit of a different path. What I'm going to do is talk about Metastasis Breaking Bad, the Spanish language in Colombia. And I'm going to try to do it in, in a way that has a lot of meanders, a lot of pointless details, a lot of fluff. Not a lot of stuff. You say fluff and stuff. No, mostly just fluff. And I'm going to virtually try to fluff up your pillow for all those things that are running through your brain. And they say, hey, guys, come on over, come on over uh, TV, TV show discussion time. And for some reason, those parts of your brain, they seem to find me interesting. Got a bunch of theories on it. I haven't nailed one that, uh, that, that they, they say is accurate, but not for lack of trying. But meanwhile, while I'm talking about it like this, would you believe the color of Walt's shirt on this episode? You're going to catch on pretty quick. You're going to say, yeah, this is kind of entertaining, well-intentioned guy. And you say, well, it's not half bad. I'm going to kick back here, close my eyes. He did talk about fluffing the old pillow. And you say, well, it's not half bad. It's not It's not half genius. So I'm going to pay a little bit less attention. I think he's talking about translating Oshkosh Bagash which, to Spanish, which I don't think is possible. So maybe I'll pay a little. And then next thing you know, ideally, you'll be asleep. I'll keep the other parts of you engaged. Hopefully, you'll be a little soothed. Maybe you'll laugh with me. Maybe you'll laugh at me. That's fine. You fall asleep. Like, I 
my self-esteem's not tied to this podcast, ideally. I mean, that's my, one of my goals and maybe one of the reasons I think it works. You tune out whenever you want. It's not going to hurt my feelings. You laugh at me. It won't be at my expense. I'm doing it for you. I'm like one of those pratfall people, but you know, verbal pratfalls only. And you might say to yourself, what's the angle? Why is this guy doing it? Or, oh boy, I better keep quiet. What, what's your legal name so I can watch, you know, for your name on the news? Well, I would say one of the reasons I was thinking about this week is the other one day this week, I caught myself being propelled forward, not, you know, with anxiety and racing from one thing to the next. Bouncing around, and I wasn't really, I was doing a bunch of stuff, but I wasn't getting anything done. And I had so many things I thought I had to get done related to podcasts and life and work. And I said, there's no way, uh, not only can I not get any of this done, I'm not efficiently getting it done. But something is pushing me forward at this uh, crazed rate. It wasn't too much coffee because it was in the afternoon. And I said, geez, maybe it's fear. What, what is this force that's propelling me along? And you could say fear. You could say whatever. It's, it might be different for every, every person. But I tried to pull back on the reins and say, hey, let's slow it down here. What if, and, and this is something new I'm learning and testing out. I at least took a second to say to myself, hey, what if we're not doomed, guys? What if, you know, all the other people in my car, we're all driving at once, believe it or not. And I said, hey, guys, what if we're not doing, what if everything might be okay or we might be able to handle what happens next? Of course, they didn't want to listen to me, but I think just posing the question is a pretty good start and saying, well, Jesus, that would, uh, I don't know. And that's a, but, 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 and I think that's what somehow... With all that going on in my brain, it's hard to notice a lot of times during the day for me that that's going on. But once everything gets quiet and I say, well, geez, I can't do anything. I'm just trying to fall asleep. You know, can I save the two? And those things are still berating me or planning or plotting or worrying or whatever. You say, hey, boys, I, I got to get some sleep here, you know. So my proposal is even if you even if you're like me, if you're you're cynical or doubtful, I say, geez, I don't know if I could have you know total faith in tomorrow, partial faith in tomorrow, partial trust in myself. I, I can understand those fears or doubts. And maybe I can't assuage them. And maybe those doubts, in my case, they say, geez, many professionals have said those aren't probably real or what they're telling you isn't real or however, but whatever it is, it's, geez, whatever it is, whatever way at bedtime, I don't know, I guess I lost my point in there because everybody's piping in now saying, geez, that's a terrible metaphor. They say, don't make that metaphor. You're not a mental health professional. And you don't really know. And I say, guys, you're actually right. I don't really know that much, but I'm trying to find my way here. And I do know that somehow having this car full of maniacs in my brain, if I can quiet them enough to get through the podcast, and that's really what I have to do. I say, hey, everybody, I'm going to just try to tell this story, try to talk about metastasis, have a little fun, have a little lightheartedness. And I think it is that those parts of me get a little distracted, and maybe there's similar things in you get distracted. 
Uh, but the byproduct is you can just go to sleep whenever you feel like it, and I'll just be here chattering on. And I, I don't know how the podcast works, but I do know it does. I think it's the lulling, soothing tones, the fact that I need to be distracted and relaxed, and maybe that's what you need. Or maybe our brain bots cancel each other out, whatever it is. I'm really glad you're here. I hope this podcast works. It doesn't work for everybody. But the people who works for it tends to work for Some people just use it as a lulling background noise. Some people enjoy the stories and the tales. And I don't know if anybody uses it. Some, you know, everything they say, well, and I use it to wash my, uh, you know, but I don't think anybody uses this podcast to wash anything. It doesn't get any stains out. But the main thing I want to tell you, I'm glad you're here. And I truly hope I help you fall asleep. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Uh, housekeeping, we're over on the web, www.sleepwithmepodcast.com. You can comment on the website. You can email me, feedback at Sleep With Me Podcast. On Twitter, at Dear Scooter, on Facebook, those are all places. As I said, we have our little Facebook community run by Alexandra and Laura. I want to thank them. That's at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash nods. And that'll take you right to the Facebook group. I want to thank Scotty and Jennifer who do our artwork. On our honor, I want to thank Chris Posty Posterson, who does the music on the podcast. He's got a podcast, Sounds Like an Earful. Please check it out. And then I want to run through, I got iTunes open right here. So I want to thank Triple I uh, or Four Eyes, Lots of Eyes or Birthday Cake. Uh, well, maybe it says Like a Tranquilizer Dart. Puts it out, puts us sleep in one second for 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 uh, Birthday Cake uh, can, can, Candle. Candle eyes. You can't hide your candle eyes. Your review just made me sigh. Okay. Next one, next up, a dream come true. Holy moly, faux fess. Banana, animal, rama, fee, fo fama. Faux fess, thank you. Loves the podcast, depending on it. Uh, extra hour of sleep every night, and it helps the daytime anxiety. That's nice to hear because I got a whole lot of that too. So thank you, Fofes, Fifa, Fofes, Fofes, Fofes. Thank you. Uh, when all else fails, Texas Mochi. You know that that's that's like a that's like a punchline to a joke. I feel like a mochi ball in Texas. You could, you know, go ahead, Texas Mochi. Somebody submit a joke for that because I'm not good at the joke part. I'm good at, you know, I set them up, you knock them down. Oh, boy. I feel like a mochi ball in Texas. But Texas Mochi says, I've been listening for months. Big problem falling asleep. Uh, Only episode they got through was 151, which they kept laughing and waking their husband up. Magic. And it works on a plane. Awesome. Oh, I know who that is now. Thank you. Uh, Texas Moochie. Moochie. Maybe it's Texas Moochie. But maybe it's Mochi. It's funnier because it sounds kind of, I feel like a Moochie in Texas. What is it? They're like, is that a children's toy? And I say, I don't know. Good question. All right. Thanks for the reviews. And as I said on the top show, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash iTunes for reviews. I want to thank Larry and Zephyr for their email. 
father and son podcast listening team, Larry and Zephyr, thanks so much. I want to thank Isaac, we're having an ongoing discussion, Sarah and her adventure at the English post office, Jess, thank you, Adrian just commented this morning, I think, Adrian just started listening to the podcast. And said, Jesus, thanks for trying. It didn't work well at my first night, but maybe it'll work. So here's hoping it does, Adrian. I want to say hi to Captain Brad out there on the sea. We got Captain Brad on the sea and John Triple G under the sea. So the sea is a sleepless place, too, which is, I guess that's a little sad. But I'm glad I can help you, both of you. I want to thank Dawn Marie that rhymes with sea. For her comment, Eric T. on Twitter mentioned us on his podcast, ADHD Rewired. And I said, geez, Eric's trying to say, can we work out you being, a, you know, being a guest? And I haven't told Eric this, but I said, well, geez, I've been a guest on two podcasts that don't exist anymore. So, Eric, if you hear that, I'm open to it, but, you know, oh, boy. I want to thank Karen C., La- Libby, Babs. If you combine Libby and Babs, it's labs. There's some weird science for you. Silvertone, Hyacinth, T, my buddy T, Tananya, as I like to mistakenly. Uh, Rebel, Andrea G. Speaking of messing up names, Ellie. I did not mess up your name. Maybe there. Stephanie C. Rhymes with Ellie. I kind of. Over on Facebook, Nicole said hi with her shirt. Julie C. said, um, uh, Julie C. posted this wonderful comic. I think I tweeted it, and I think it's on Facebook. I th- and now I can't, I think it's called Zen, Zen 2. Uh, I'll post it again because it's a very inspirational book for Sleeper Summer. And if you start reading the backstory behind the comic, it gets even more inspirational. And I was reading it on the bus on the way to work, and I felt like weeping with, uh, I don't know, joyful support maybe? And so thanks, Julie, for thinking of us with that. Sue's, I want to thank. Uh, Jennifer B., pictures of her dogs was so cute. Or one dog, but one, the other one was in the background and said, I'm not having my picture taken. And for the feedback on the shirts, anybody's got any shirt feedback, let me know. I've gotten some gold from people, uh, you know, so as we test these shirts and other things out, I got, you know, keep the lines of communication open. Shabby, thank you for your shirt pick. Uh, Alyssa, I think Alyssa, uh, Alyssa would probably be sound different. Alyssa seems like a new listener. Thank you. Hopefully I got your name right. I, I apologize, but, uh, I'm thinking it's Alyssa, uh, which is a beautiful name. And, and it's like more E, it's got more E than A because there's Alyssa and this is Elissa or Alyssa. I don't know. All lovely. Yeah, but, but whatever the proper pronunciation would be the best. Uh, Marie B., Katie B., uh, Melissa, Carrie, Mary Kay, and Miss M. all commented on a sleep article in different formats that I posted, and they all had great thoughts about that uh, sleep article. And I think that's it. I want to thank everybody for your ongoing support, and I hope I help you fall asleep. I desire to lull you to dreamland in good dreams or informative dreams. Okay, let's keep moving. All right, we're talking about uh, Game of Thrones. 
Again, I do that. I guess 50 episodes strange you. We're talking about metastasis. I think, I'm not even sure anymore if this is episode four or five. But it starts out with a big uh, left turn because we see Jose Miguel in a suit. And I was like, is this a job interview? I was trying to remember from a game, uh, from Breaking Bad. This is Metastasis. And we're going to do a run-through of the episode. I did. I watched it twice, one with black pen and one with red pen. Uh, one trying to follow the action, the other follow the language. So we'll go through it. But he has this job interview. And the interviewer kind of looks like somebody out of a, a SNL skit. And I was trying to think, what person does this remind me of? I couldn't put my finger on it, but I almost saw I said, is this guy putting us on? He's interviewing people? Because uh, Jose Miguel looked, looked like he belonged in a suit. This guy did not look like he belonged interviewing anyone. Uh, Jose Miguel was interviewer number seven, 37. There was words like, aca esta aha, munro. I think maybe that was the job interviewer. Habio and error. Digame, uh, undame, fave. But then uh, Jose's parse shows up, which is a word I still know, but it's got to mean friend or buddy. And uh, he's wearing a toilet paper superhero outfit, fl- fluffy, uh, or a robot. I said, is he a robot or a space toilet paper spaceman? And he says, oh, parse, viejo Jose. And then they go and they have a couple beers at the park, smoke a little weed. And they're talking about Posado y Toro, Portar, Lodice, Pia. The guy has a great laugh, really good laugh on this guy. This guy's playing the Badger character from Breaking Bad. Badger from Breaking Bad. That's uh, some alliteration for you. I personally thought I said this is another case of good casting. This guy was not the same as Badger, but goofball, very good. He was a bit of a uh, guevon. And stuff said like conseguir que dice menga mono. That was his name, Mono. Instead of Badger, he's Mono or Mono. Oh, yeah. Oh, Mo. No, Mono. He's, they're sitting on the bench, so he's trying to talk so Jose into something so much that he tries to inspire him by putting on his helmet that has a roll of toilet, a working toilet paper roll helmet. And he makes his speech, I think I wrote it down, Pero porque no el hecha cabeza se pia, piensan ye can. Se manga usted yo. Socios, undame, cinco a. Uh, that might have been more than one uh, speech in there, but they, they, Jose crumbles up the paper. He says, uh, Mano's like, I'm out. Benga, he says, Benga Mano. And then he, Jose seems to make a decision. He crumbles up the paper and goes. And then we have Walt and Cielo in a car. There's music, there's a gift. No say is said, que oso. And they go down a long tree, long drive to a party. Things are said like, Estoy a tiempo de, de volverme después. Uh, calmate. 
Ay, que oso. Que ba nadie se ba. Oder. Cuenta. And there's a lot of big Brock's presents. And then the dude who's hosting the party whose birthday is Edgar. He comes in for a hug. Uh, cuanto, cuanto del fata. Everyone's wearing beige. It looked like a themed party. And I put, oh, or, or W, I put WTF khaki. Bir, oh, but what the fuck birthday khaki bash. That's what I put. But Walter says something really nice to uh, Edgar. And it seems like he's very well, they're very welcome. But then suddenly Walter looks like, he's, I don't know if he's sick or embarrassed or mad. And he starts sneaking around. I think poor Veneer was sad at some point too. And he starts, he goes and sneaks into this guy's office. He's looking at his awards, the Kemika Awards. He has a little cough attack. And then he looks out, he sees Walter, or he sees Cielo and Edgar talking. And this random dude comes up to him. He says, Que gustazo, hombre, que tal? Camine, camine. And uh, he says, Estabamos dandole. He grabs Walter, introduces Walter to a bunch of dudes who seem pretty impressed. And you could tell they're like, hey, what are you doing now? And this might have been Breaking Bad memory, too. And he says, oh, teacher, where? And then they're like, hey, high school? What the fuck? Uh, something else gets says, sopa de pasta. Oh, that's during this famous, this is a famous scene to me, the ramen scene. Uh, but the, what's the, Edgar's opening gifts? He gets a guitar. It seems like a famous guitar. Cielo says, De Papa Noel. Like, is this Santa Claus come here? And then that's, that's a famous ramen scene. Very touching that I remember from Breaking Bad. They put cut here. I don't know what that meant. Oh, they cut after the speech. He says, Muchas gracias. Por recordarme. De donde vengo. Uh, sopa de pasta, pasta soup, they call it. Tocaste al corazón. But then they cut, and those guys are talking, Walter and Edgar laughing like it's stupid chemistry jokes, like it's old times. Marco de Pavo. They said, are they talking about Marco Polo? I don't know. And they couldn't tell if they were talking secrets. Like it seemed like they were talking about the mafia or fame or something. Papada, pum. Lado fue, fui. Uh, then the talk is serious and some kind of offers made capaz. Pongo a pensar. But then Edgar says something and he pats Walter on his shoulder and suddenly you see in Walter's face he knows it's a sham. Te pasa algo la gente. Uh, he, he, they leave Walter's pissed at Cielo. She even says tranquilo, like chill the fuck out. Uh, also in Tonses gets said... Oh, this Walter I put in Red Pen, the second watch, he said he's got Chuck-a-Boots on, too. So I don't know if there's a chuck a boot sponsor or if Vince Gilligan's a big chuck a boot fan. But who knows, Vince Gilligan could be a chuck a boot fan. And then it cuts from the party to the Walt's basic house. Outside of the house is the older house and the eat-in kitchen. And it's silence, uh, but the radio's on. And it's clear Walter Jr. doesn't want to ride to work with his dad. And then we have Badger hopping out of a taxi at Jose's place. Barcero, he goes, Jose, Jose. Uh, Camine. 
Uh, they're talking about the holes. He says, Ventile aventa, culo uh, de tobotella. And, and Jose really shows off the lab. He's really proud of it. De mi ex socio, de hell el porno, he says when Jose turns out a dirty magazine. He, but he's going through all the names of the beakers. And then Jose's like, you got what, what I need? And he says, I go tar par se. And he pulls out all the sufedrin and beer, and more importantly, beer. And then he says, well, no, I think that was the first time. And it's good music playing during the chemistry scene. And Jose starts working, you know, they drive somewhere. And then Jose starts making mats while Badger's just screwing around. That's pretty funny. Or Mono, I guess. He says, Mono, Guevon. And then you get a shot with the yellow smoke coming out of the roof, and they're done. And Mono says, Mamacita. Or maybe Mamacita was the next scene because Walter Jr. and his friend are at a strip club. Everyone there is wasted, all these old dirt bags. And then his friend wants to buy a beer. Words like La Rumba Menor, uh, Con Cubaritos, Y a la Si Se Lo Comen Vivo Y No, Con Cubadores, I don't know. Entonces it said... And then the cops show up, and they're like, everybody get out their IDs. But Henry comes and saves the day. He's really, I couldn't tell if he was mad or serious or worried. Oh, maybe he says, entonces que, empelota, casquito, castigate maybe. And Jose says, or uh, Walt Jr. says, perdón, perdón. And he takes them home. Ciela and Marie are mad. and They have their arms crossed when Walt Jr. comes in. Vayas para se conteste. And Henry tries to reason with them and say, it's okay, he's just going through a phase. And then they talk about Maria in weed. And then Henry's like, well, Maria used to be a pothead. I think that's what he says. This phrase. And then Ciel's like, no, it was Walter Sr. on the weed. And then it looks like Henry was pissed. And he says, lo veo socio, venga. Uh, and then we see the owl collection at some point. There's at least 10, I counted, a couple pairs, but at least 10 total owls in the owl collection. Again, we don't know if that's Maria's, I mean, uh, CLO's or Walter's. Walter Scarpel's in. I reconfirm it. It's a DCE 718 is his license plate. And I think it was a Nissan Sentra or a Sentra. And then we jump back to Jose. He's done making the math. Uh, Mono Badger's very impressed. The porn music starts playing again. That's kind of like the theme song or one of the theme songs of the show. But Jose's like, no, this ain't clear enough. He throws it out. Badger freaks. Oh, and then Walt comes home. That's when I saw the license plate. Everyone's waiting for him. Walt's got a sweet sweater vest on. It's got gray, maroon, and white diamonds. And then we have Jose and Badger round two. So a nice jumping back and forth here between these two conflicts. But again, it was better, but not good enough. Que hizo, que hace, no me joda. I think Henry says no me joda. Uh, Mejor, they fight over the math, it gets real. Uh, no me joda mas, maybe. 
It was a very slapstick argument between Mono and Jose fighting. It's hilarious. And then he just ditches him out in the rain. He says, Joe Mano, mejor parse, uh, tomaste pardon con eso. And I don't know if that was the, that scene or this scene is the intervention scene with a sharing pillow. Another classic Breaking Bad scene to me. Que de, que de nosotros los sigue pues decirle. And they all talk about how it affects them. And Maria's kind of glaring at Walt when he gets there. Henry's eating a lot of olives. It looks like vainya. Uh, metaphora, Henry says. I love that. I said metaphor. I love metaphors. I love the word metaphor. But I think I love the word metaphora even more. And then Walt's like, can I get a turn? And then Cielo's like, no, it's Henry's turn. And then he says, no me yodas. That gets used a lot, yodas. And then Henry makes some long point about lines. I think it ended up, it was turned out, it was about football and soccer, but Henry gets exasperated. And then they're like, Junior, can you talk to your dad? And he kind of calls out Walt and shames him, you know, that he's dealt with things. And now Walt's chickening out. And then Maria says something, Haber for Turo. Uh, she says a whole long bunch of stuff that shocks Cielo. Maria and her get into it, you know, it gets really intense. And then, you know, it goes, there are all arguing Cielo, Henry, Maria, and Walt's got nothing to say. It gets really heated. And then he whistles and he takes his turn with the pillow. And he makes a p- pitch or a speech. There's lots of blinking in this scene. He, Walt, 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 there's a lot of blinking. Walt Jr. wipes his eyes. Walt Sr. looks like he's about to cry. Everyone's quiet. Cielo cries. Walt stares. Fuerza. Tengo el coja el estorno. I think that means wait for your freaking turn. Sabe, Sabien gets said. Uh, and then there's a shot, a city shot. There's a shot of Walt in bed with, alone. He smells the pillow where Cielo would sleep. And then he sees Cielo's night cream, all her books on cancer. He smells the night cream. He kind of smiles. And I noticed the wall behind the bed was like a forest-style wallpaper. Very cool. Forest wallpaper uh, with the woods kind of look. But Cielo does the dishes. Walt kind of goes up to her, comes up behind her all calm and loving. And he kisses her. And he says, Esta bien, and she says, Esta bien. And uh, then they're at the ICCT, Walt and Walt Jr. They're, it's the hospital waiting room. Walt Jr.'s rocking a little bit of a purple outfit. And I just wrote here, this show really looks good in HD. I'm watching it on Netflix, on a TV, as opposed to uh, some other device. And it looks really good. I don't know. The actors are all good to look at. It's lit well. So this is a really high-quality program. I mean, it's not on the same level as Breaking Bad with the number of cameras and shots and things, but it's still a great show. And then Cielo comes. She was checking in, uh, and then the, they call Walt in. He kind of goes for it, and uh, he goes under these green lasers. He's shirtless. I noticed he was in pretty good shape. He he wasn't as he's not as hairy as Walter uh, 
uh, white Walter Blanco. And I said for a 50-year-old man, he, he looked like he was pretty, pretty uh, fit in cargo. Uh, Campeo, Cuto. Uh, uh, then you see Walter in the car. He's in Jose's hood and his phone rings. K. Volvo, I think he says. It's Edgar's wife, Marcella. She knows about the cancer. And I couldn't tell if she was making an offer or retracting an offer. But Wolf seems resigned. He rolls into Jose's place. Jose's got headphones on again. He wears a lot of headphones, this Jose. And he's cleaning up his beaker collection. He wants to keep those beakers looking good. And he says, uh, Walt gets, he says, well, you know, what do you want, Walt? And Walt says, Quiero or Quiere, Cochina or co co Cochina. And Walt looked really badass when he did this. Quiero, Cochina. Not like, not that badass, but, you know, I mean, more of a good actor would do it. Some other things that got said were, Así es la vida, ningún me alegra. Claro KC, uh, usted cree que esta es su casa o okay. I think that got said between those guys. So that's just a little bit about it. Uh, a great episode of Metastasis. Let's get on to Breaking Bad. What do you say? All right, so now we're talking about Breaking Bad. And uh, again, it opens with Aaron Paul in a suit. He's in a job interview. He has a good line about a CV. He's like, I changed it to, from resume to the curriculum vitae. And he's talking about how he's a good salesperson. And this guy's like, yeah, it's not a sales job. He doesn't. Aaron Paul looks more, I guess, like he should in a suit. Jose Miguel looked a little slicker. Aaron Paul looks uncomfortable in a suit or a sport coat. But there's a little bit better, slower reveal of Badger in the, in the nature of the job. And then Badger in a dollar outfit, and uh, then you have Badger running in a in the dollar outfit, which was funny. And he says, uh, I think it was uh, Badger says, uh, uh, Badger says to Jesse, really opened my eyes to the possibility. And then Jesse talks about his old partner being an asshole, Walt. And then he's like, all right, see you, Badger. And then Jesse gets in the one card, car with his one axe. Because I think Badger wanted to partner up. But he's sitting there with the one axe, which are now an extinct kind of thing. One, looking at a newspaper for job. How quick did that disappear? I mean, I guess it was slowly disappeared. But he's thinking, he's deciding. And then he decides, he gets out, he goes to get, to get, to get Badger to team up. And then we have Walt in the car. He's like, this is a stupid gift. They put S-I-M-L-E. I don't know what that is, but uh, similar maybe. Oh, yeah, similar tree line drive they drive down. And then they get to the party. Everyone's in beige again. They're like, oh, we didn't get the beige memo. And Skylar has a great line. She says, yes, I look like I'm wearing a prom dress from 1985. And then Elliot does a double kiss. And Cielo's like, oh boy, a double kiss. And then he's like, okay, here's Gretchen. And a Walt had a really smooth, double-breasted sport coat on. Like he looked like he was a, like almost like belonged in a, like an admiral of a sailboat. And then Walt's kind of in Elliot's library. He's out of breath. 
And it's like the ultimate personal library. It's got wood. It's got books, old books on like book, you know, that you can go through. Like maybe a Gutenberg Bible. I'm not sure. But then the PAs, they resistance of a personal library, a wooden spiral staircase. That's the height of personal libraries. And then Walt rolls outside and this dude sees him. He's like, Farley. And he's with these three dudes with giant margaritas. And he's talking about that when they were at Caltech, he's called uh, our, uh, Walt the Master of Crystallography to these guys. They're very impressed, the guys with the giant margaritas. And he's like, well, you had this one thing you used to talk about, Walt's like, synchrotrons or synchrotrons. And he said, this guy's the white of gray matter. And then Walt explains the name, which I didn't really understand. Uh, but this gives us an underlying mystery that I actually was too drunk when I watched Game of Thrones. That was when I was a drunk uh, to understand. So I don't know the mystery behind what happened with Walt and Grey Matter and Elliot and Gretchen. So I'm excited to have that mystery revealed slowly to me. But then uh, they start opening the presents. Now the dude, I don't know who the dude that plays the guy that gives Elliot the, he says, this is Eric Clapton. Elliot's like, this is a Stratocaster. He's like, it's Eric Clapton, Stratocaster, bro. But that guy sucked so bad. I mean, great actor because he blew. Like he just played the biggest, Eric Clapton's. And then Elliot opens his present from Wall, and it's ramen, and the guitar guy's like, owned, I, I'm the best present giver ever. I own you, Walt. And then Elliot's like, this is Yam Good Robin. And Elliot looks so happy, and the guitar guy's like, what? You're, you're happy about ramen? And so he, so he goes, yeah, well, wait a second. I just got, did I just get owned? And then we cut, you know, there's the ramen speech, which you should just rewatch yourselves. Beautiful. There's a couple, this is one of those episodes if you're thinking about storytelling, you shouldn't rewatch it for boring purposes because uh, there's a scene coming up. This is a good, that was a good scene. It's just very, I liked it. It's always stayed with me, the ramen scene. Um, but there's a scene later that is just like a master class and uh, uh, fully formed characters, I think. But anyway, they cut to Elliot and Walt, you know, catching up old times. They're talking about great. If you guys want, ever run into one of these guys, you want something to talk about. You could talk about Snot, Snot Trough. That was the guy's nickname. He always smelled like chocolate milk. And I think his name might have been Dobbins. And he had a sewn elbows on his members only jacket. So those are, if you run into Elliot, in Albuquerque, you know, when you go there to buy your fish tanks at uh, that fish tank store from last week, remember that stuff. Snot trough smells like chocolate milk. Members only jacket with patches on the elbows. And just say, hey, Dobbins. Uh, and he, they, Elliot's like, you and I should work together again. You might be exactly what I need. In the level of acting here, uh, watching Brian Cranston work is like magic. Because he just starts to go through this rainbow of emotions. Like, this is, oh, this is exactly what I wanted. I'm getting here. I've always wanted to be important and needed again. And have Elliot call me back. And he's like, well, I can't accept. You can see him internally doing that. And he's like, you know what, Elliot? I guess other stuff going on. I can't accept this offer, even though it's really what I want. 
just such a range of emotion shown. He goes, I have some issues, but then Elliot blows it. He was, Elliot was acting the whole time. And he's like, well, we got excellent insurance here. It'll cover everything, you know, any adventure, you know, any possibility. And then Walt's like, oh, this was a sympathy play. And so they leave the party where Walt really slams the door. And he's got some great, this is some killer argument. He says, I don't like it when you talk about my private affairs. He goes, that was some fig leaf face-saving bullshit. All right, so the next scene is a quiet breakfast, and there's kind of a stare-down with uh, Skyler and Walt. There's a lot of juice drinking, which I think five years ago we say, oh, okay, but now I think juice has been proven. You say, will not you just got a lot of sugar, Walt Jr.? You better stay away from it. And he, say, he says, hey, Walt's like, hey, you ready, little buddy? And he says, I'm taking the bus. Uh, this is enough to unfulfilled tension. And then we have Badger and Jesse in the RV. They're both in beanies. Jesse's in his uh, bee outfit. Not only does he have a beanie, but he's got his bee, like, yellow and black striped outfit on. But it was very, very nice. Jesse's quoting Walt using terms like Erlenmeyer flask. And he's like, this is just basic chemistry, uh, Badger. Meanwhile, Badger's, you know, sticking stuff up his nose. He even brought a crossbow. I said, only someone like Badger. And he says, uh, he says, what the hell did you bring a crossbow for? He says, to hunt Yavelinas. And I don't know what the hell a Yavelina is. I hadn't Googled it yet. But as they start to cook, once again, wonderful, wonderful music's playing. They really do a good job with the music. Uh, someone just let me know, my, my friend Billy, he said a Yevelin is a, a pig. So Badger, and Badger's kind of a pig too, so uh, let's see. So then we cut back, it's Walt, what does this say? Oh, we cut back to a scene, it's Walt Jr. and his buddies, they're outside a liquor store, and they're trying to find someone to buy beer. And it's a couple rookie mistakes. Uh, hopefully no one under 21 is listening to this, or under 18 at least. But uh, first couple things. I mean, I think they were thinking they were going to use uh, sympathy for Walt Jr.'s situation to get somebody. But it's like you never coagulate as a group of three. Maybe they didn't see Superbad. I thought this was what Superbad was about. But you don't wait right by the door. And, yeah, you got to pick who you're going to ask to buy you beer pretty carefully. And, of course, they picked wrong. And it's a cop. And the kid, Walter Jr.'s friends run, so he's busted alone. And the cop's like, you got lucky. He's like, I didn't want to deal with this on your day off. you got a great dad here. You better thank him. And then it's revealed that it's uh, Hank, which I thought was a, this theme of, like, this semi-theme of Walt's motivation being a little bit of emasculation uh, continues. And Hank even says, you know, it's not cool. You should be calling your father, not me. And it's interesting when they get back to the house, Hank is kind of the voice of reason. And they talk about uh, him. At, he talks about, you know, Walt Jr. acting out and then the pot and then uh, Marie's like, oh, you weren't supposed to say anything. And then Skylar's like, Marie, that was for a story. And she's like, come on, Skylar. And he, she's like, actually, the pop's for Walt Sr. And he says, excuse me? 
and uh, Hank just laughed so hard. It, it was like hilarious. I, can't, I put some word here. I can't read. It looks like M-E-N-E. I don't know what it says. And then I put he said he liked it. I don't know what that means either, but Hank really gets a good laugh out of it. And uh, then we go back to Jesse and Badger, and Jeff, Jesse's meth is too cloudy. And Badger's like, this is great, man. This stuff's terrific. And he's like, no, it's, it's good, but not good enough. We'll do it again until we get it right. Which is interesting to see the, this uh, new motivation from Jesse. Because uh, he talks about, uh, I don't know if it's a later scene, but, you know, quality product for their customers. And then we have Walt walking into the house and and everyone's like, "Have this is the intervention scene. They're like, have a seat and join us. And they have a cheese tray. Now, I don't watch a lot of intervention programs, like, but I said, who went out and bought a cheese tray at the supermarket? Like, if you, if you're, you know, that's a, you say, oh, should I bring cheese, should I bring a cheese tray or one of those uh, pumpernickel spinach dips to the intervention? But I guess that would give you a lot to do with your hands and stuff. So it might be a good idea to have uh, um, some finger foods at intervention. I don't know. But Hank really digs into it. Then we jump back to Jesse and Badger, and Jesse's going to throw out the second batch of meth, and and Badger flips. And uh, it's a hilarious scene. And at the end, Badger goes, helicopter, motherfucker. And he tries to helicopter Jesse to a throwback to the earlier part of the show where he's sign-spinning helicopter style. And then we have a close-up of the sharing pillow, which says, find the joy in the little things. That's the pillow for the intervention. And there's a lot of, um, Skylar's using a lot of I feel, I need to understand words. I have the talking pillow. And I, another thing is I watched this scene, I wondered, I, I wondered if American acting, I would have to rewatch. Metastasis again, but there's a lot going on in the background of this scene. While one character's talking, the other actors are acting. Like either uh, Walt Jr.'s kind of doing things with his hand to distract himself, or Walt's doing a lot of eating, or Hank's doing a lot of eating. Marie's making a lot of faces. So I said, is that an American thing or just the, the, the caliber of these actors and the direction of the show? I don't know. I don't have the answer for that, but it, but it was interesting. And then Walt watches, and then it's Hank's turn to share. He makes these long, drawn-out metaphors about poker and baseball. And then he says, I'm with your old lady here on this. Take the money from Elliot and run. And then Walter Jr. has his turn to speak. He says, this is bullshit. I'm pissed off. You're ready to give up. What if you gave up on me? And uh, he he takes his uh, crutches. He says, this here is really an impactful scene. He says, you're scared of some chemo after what I've been through. Powerful stuff, powerful stuff. And then Marie, it's Marie's turn. And Marie says, you know what, Walt, do what you want to do. It's your life. And Skylar glares at her. And then Hank's like, can I get the pillow back? You know what, I think I agree with Marie here. I want to change my vote. And then somebody else is like, this is not debate club. And then Walt whistles, which Walter Blanco also did. 
And then he says, I've got the talking pillow now. And maybe I said, oh, yeah, this is this is a point I wanted to make. I didn't realize. But he says, I've got the talking pillow now. I wanted to check in with, with uh, Stannis because I said, is that correct English? Uh, Stannis, is that correct? Lord Commander? Yeah, Stannis, is this correct? I've got the talking pillow now. Lord Commander, does the pillow talk? Uh, no, that's why I wanted to ask you if that was a proper... No, Lord Commander. Okay, thanks, Stannis. So, Lord Commander. All right, goodbye, Stannis. So that's Stannis. I guess, yeah, the pillow would have to talk if you were to have a talking pillow. I think you should say the pillow of... To well, Stannis already left, but... The pillow of talking, maybe? I don't know. But what it boils down to is Walt says he wants a choice, a choice of his own. And this seems to be like a first world problem. A lot of people are like, oh, I want a choice of control in my life, or I've, I've lived my life for other people and I want to live it for me now. But it really ends up turning into a rich, rich speech. And then you see uh, Skylar, she's not buying one penny of this stuff. And she says, what, what about your son? What about your daughter? And I just thought to myself, I paused it because this is just such, if, if, you, if you're doing any kind of creating, you, you need to watch this scene because it's just amazing if you're watching, especially Marie or Skylar and Walt, you know, they're in this partnership called marriage. And in some sense, they're debating about Walt's future, his life, but they have their own opposing agendas. And they're really not, like, it just felt so fully flushed out, like, not real, like, real people, but even more amplified. Like, Skylar's like, no, 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 I'm deciding what you're, you're, you don't get to decide to throw your wife away. Like, I am not backing down, Walt, and I will use every argument uh, to, to break you and get you this treatment. And, uh, I mean, maybe this is why Skylar, people, like, didn't seem to like her. Because she, she's, but as a character, she says, this is my agenda. And I'm going full force to get what I want. But it's not a, uh, uh, what do you call that? It's so flushed out. Because in, in a lesser show, it would be like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's something about that that's breathtaking to me. In a, in a way that I'm like, what what a wonderful thing they've done here. Uh, but, but Walt finally says, he says, well, what is time if you can't enjoy it, Skylar? And she still won't agree. And he says, I choose not to do it. And then the next scene, oh, the next scene's in the bedroom. It's like 7.32 in the morning. And Walt smells his wife's pillow. He smells her cream, her, her face cream. And then he goes in the kitchen, and it's like uh, a Godzilla movie with Skylar against this frying pan because she is going to town on this frying pan. Like, I felt bad for the frying pan. She's scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing. And I said, I hope that's like a stainless steel or something because you're going to take the Teflon right off that, and, you know, you're blaming that lab. Maybe it's all your scrubbing. Uh, but Walt goes up to her. He says, all right. And she says, she's still snarling. She says, all right, what? I mean, she doesn't say it like that, but, but that, that's my interpretation. 
And then another wonderful acting scene because she figured, he says, you know, I'm going to do it. And she just melts with relief that the battle is over. The battle is won in some sense. I mean, to get Walter relent, the battle against cancer is only beginning. And then as those of us have seen the show, the other battles are only about to begin. But but then they're in this very traditional waiting room. Uh, it's kind of nice. Walt and Walt Jr. are both looking at magazines. There's the waiting room music. And then uh, I keep calling her Cielo, but Skylar comes out from like checking in she's like well, they're gonna send a check right i just put it on a credit card and walt's like oh yeah i'll t- i will take care of it and even that skylar gives him a look she kind of squinches her mouth up like that or something you guys can't see it but she squinches her mouth up like no i'm not buying it walt i still don't believe you and then uh walt goes in for his treatment his first round of treatment and then the next thing you know walt's in his car and he gets a call. He's like, hey, hey, Elliot, what's up, buddy? And he's, it's Gretchen. And she's like, uh, Elliot told me about your cancer, Walt. And he says, it is what it is. Like he's Popeye the Sailor Man. I was like, what? And she goes, you know, I'm always here from you. Both of us are always here from you. And this, again, makes me feel uh, connected to Walt or where it's like, oh, there's so much. uh, I mean, there's so many characters to identify with. But is Walt resistant to accepting help or charity or even in some sense love or friendship? I really identify with that because I got serious problems with that. But she says, you have to accept the offer. The money is yours. She's like, pretty much she admits, you know, reminds me of Pied Piper in some sense. She's like, that, that 50% of this company is yours. And uh, she says, Walt, is this about you and me? And Walt says, time to change the subject. He goes, oh, boy, the insurance came through. Don't worry one bit about it. I'm covered 100%. And then I noticed that Gretchen was standing, and I don't mean to be crass, but she was standing in front of a cock painting of a a cock rooster. Uh, It was right up behind her. And then she says, well, keep in touch. And then I also just probed into her kitchen. I said, well, geez, these are rich people. I'd like to see what kind of stuff they got. And I know she has one of those giant uh, bottles of vinegar and peppers and things. A really big one it always has the wax seal at the top. And it's like you always see those at like TJ Maxx. So I said, well, maybe they're rich, but they shop at TJ Maxx. Makes sense, I guess. Or maybe they pay someone to go there. And then Walt rolls over, or rolls into uh, Jesse's place. And Jesse's kind of like looking at Walt. He goes, yo. Like he's like, who the, f-? you know, what the fuck? And then Walt just, uh, he goes, want to cook? And it's so cool and quiet, and then that's the end of the episode. So it's pretty freaking good. Uh, so that was it. That was it. Uh, so we'll move on next to the uh, language learning part. Uh, all right, let's run through the language learning portion here. But I'm still working on my O's this week. Oh, 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 oh! I think that's it. Oh, oh! Esta this. Uh, mono, mo, no, mo, mono, mono, mo, no, mono, mono means a monkey. I didn't realize that. 
Instead of badger, he's monkey. Uh, Habio, I put it in, figure that out. And error. Oh, error. Or error. And error. I have trouble with them at the ends. And error. Digame. I thought that should be easy. Vieo. Old. Kono. Uh, Sen. Known. Undame. Fabe. Fabe. You give me fave. Lodice. It says. Consigir. Uh, get. Uh, oh, wait, KD says, so low D say it says, KD say, what does it say? Benga Mono, Mo- Mono, <laughs> this is a proper name, Mono come over here, uh, Pare say, Parse, we still get to look up, uh, Pesado y Toto, heavy and all, Pia, catches, Portar, carry, Perdida, loss, uh, pero por que no le echa cabeza. And maybe I string those words together from separate sentences, but why do you not take head? That could be a hit double meaning there. Say, pia piensala hekan. Think if caught hekan. Think if caught. Say, pia pensala. Uh, say magma, say magna, it is magna. Oh, this is, this might be, this could be the phrase week. It's not groundbreaking, but it might be useful. Usteri yo socios. I didn't know what socios meant. You and I, partners? You want to partner up? Uh, me, me, mono and me. The, the mono story. Uh, oh, wait, this one might be... I think they've already said this, though. Uh, you, you, why? I wonder how you say that. You, you, dame cinco, ah. You give me five, ah. Uh, estoy tiempo de, I'm time. Uh, displace after. That's when we should start learning, displace. Uh, calm, calm, calmate, calm down, calmate. I can also, I bear. Uh, I don't know if that was really used. Uh, Cunto del Flata, how much of Flata? Poor veneer, thank you for coming. So gracias, poor veneer, thank you for coming. Uh, que gustazo, hombre, that man splash. That's probably wrong. Que gustazo, hombre. That man splash. That's probably wrong. Que tal? How are you? I think it also means like, what up? Camine, camine. Walk, walk. Move it, move it, I think. Estabamos dandole. We were giving. Uh, this one you should already know. Sopa de pasta. That's pasta soup, a.k.a. ramen. Uh, de Papa Noel, Santa Claus. I think it means day from Santa Claus or of Santa Claus. Here's another one I messed up. Du, du, it must have been Durante, but I put Durante. Diaz Meses, Quadrant, 10 months. 
Oh, th- no, this is the phrase of the week, without a doubt. Phrase of the week. I mean, at least for the next 50 words. It's a phrase, too. Muchas gracias por recordarme de donde vengo. Vengo. Muchas gracias por recordarme de donde vengo. Thank you very much for reminding me where I come from. And that's what uh, the rich guy said to Walter when he held it over his heart. Uh, Marco de Pavo, I think that's somebody's name. Tocaste el corazón. But I spelled corazón wrong. I know that means heart. And he says, touched the heart or touched my heart. Papada jowl. So that must have been when they were making fun of guys. Pum just means pum, according to this. Lotto means side. Fui, F-U-I, I went. Capaz, able. Pongo a pensar. If anybody's listening, and they, they double-check this one, because I like that. Pongo a pensar. I'm thinking, bro. I mean, it just means I'm thinking, but if you think if you worked parche par- par- in there. Uh, pongo a pensar, parche. I'm thinking, bro. Uh, te pasa, and then if you're in the bathroom, I guess you'd say, Pongo a pensar. And then another person on the other side would say, Te pasa algo? Is something the matter in there? And Nana would say that. Why is the door locked? La gente, you people, just don't use that. Never use you people in a sentence. Tranquilo, quiet down, chill out. Uh, and Tonsays, that's another one we should start learning soon. Then, oh boy, this one, this, this can't be right, but this can't be phrase of bottle. Culo de to botella, ass of to bottle. Culo, it must be ass, I guess. Culo de botella, ass of bottle. Uh, and this is Jesse Day, May ex socio, former partner of mine. Uh, deje el porno. Stop it with the porn. Stop porn is what it means. But I think when Jose said it was deje el porno. These all seem to fit together with stuff that Nana says to me. Te pasa algo in there? And I say, no. She says, deje el porno. Uh, I go tar. Uh, mono again. Guevon, which we know means bird brain or other worse things, but... Mamacita, it says mommy here, but it means mame. It's like a thing men say. Hey, mamacita. Uh, La rumba, the party. Menor, minor, like when the guys got busted with the cops. Uh, Concubir, titcuberitos, with cutlery. Cutlery. Uh, e alasi, and beyond if. Se lo comen. Vivo y no. They eat it alive and not. Uh, castigado. Castigado. Go. Oh, no. Punished. Castigado. Punished. Like castigated. Vayas. Go. Perdón. Sorry. Parece. It seems. So it seems. It seems. Conteste. That's the answer. Oh, here's a good one. Disfraz, co- costume. I don't know where that got used. These are good. Ar- this must have been during the arguments. You say, parece, it seems. 
Lo veo. I see. Lo veo. I see. Socio, we know, means partner. So that may be the word of the week, socio. Because they said it doesn't sound like it means partner, but but it does. Uh, we already know what this means. Benga mono means mono, get over here. Badger, get over here. Kehizo, what did? Kehase, that makes. Mehor. Mehor. Oh. Mehor. Uh, best. Uh, Kede, stay. Nosotros, we. Tomaste, took. Perdón, sorry, con eso, with that. Sigue, follow, uh, pues, then. Desirle, tell, rabia, rage, venia, pod. Metaphora, metaphor. Oh, whoa, I didn't realize this one. No me lloras. Holy crap, powerful, don't fuck with me. No me yodas. Don't fuck with me. That must be what Mano says to Jesse, Jose, or Jose says to him. Heber futuro, have future. No me yodas. Uh, tengo el cojín, C-O-J-I-N. I have the cushion, the sharing cushion. Tengo el cojín. Uh, sabes, you know, sabien, they know, fuerza, strength, estabien, it's okay, K that, campeo, campeo, champions, encargo, in charge, así es la vida, that is life, ningún, any, me Allegra, I'm happy. Well, maybe that's why they call that drug Allegra. I'm happy. I'm taking. I'm on Allegra, man. I think it's an allergy drug, though. But if you don't have allergies, you're going to be more happy. Uh, claro KC, of course. Shit's obvious. Claro KC. Uh, usted cray, you believe? Uh. K esta es su casa or K? This is your home or I think it means this my house or your house. That's when Jesse's yelling. It won't. Okay, and just to go over parse or parcero as I should have remembered is uh, uh, comrade, friend, buddy. Uh, derived from the word parcello, slang for owner of a plot of land. It originally was used as cellmate, sharing the same plot of land. And as usage developed into partner in crime, it was used only with criminals from the late 1970s, but it's now used openly in most cities. And Colombian singer and Medellin native Juanes, uh, named his album P-A-R-C-E after the local phrase. So Parche, I think. Parche or Parchero or Parse, I don't know. But yeah, that's like Yave, you know, buddy. My partner in crime. Hi, Parses, my Parsieras, my Parsinas. I feel like I'm making this speech from uh, Cider House Rules. Is that a... Anyway, let's move on. Uh, here's our next little piece on uh, Colombian slang. This is from baconismagic.ca. Uh, Colombian slang survival guide. Let me look at who owns this. Probably the writer, but... 
A lot of comments. That's cool. So I'll have to read through the comments. Wow, a lot of comments. It's copyright 2015. Bacon is magic. Looks like it's by uh, Dave and Angelina. Uh, the Colombian Slang Survival Guide. You know, I'll probably just directly quote from this. This is a direct quote, most of it, from Bacon is Magic. Some paraphrasing. Tomorrow was the last day they were in Colombia. And uh, frustrated with the understanding of Colombian slang. Uh, but they run through these. Listo. Listo literally means ready. But it's also used if something is smart or cool or okay. I hear this several times a day, but I always thought it was somebody asking if I was ready. Uh, a la orden. Uh, Colombians are extremely polite, and there's a sense of formality in their speech. Anyone serving you, from a taxi driver to a grocery clerk, will say this to you. It literally means to order, but it's more similar to at your service. Scooter here. A la orden. Before you're boarding. I did not understand this one at all, especially when I would complain to taxi drivers that they were charging me too much. And they responded with this phrase, which really means, get out of the cab, gringa. Uh, con mucho gusto, another Colombian pleasantry, pleasantry which can be confusing. Well, in every other country, means nice to meet you. I started hearing it from waitresses and other service people when I thanked them. Uh, caliente. It doesn't just mean hot, it also means horny in Colombian slang. Uh, she she learned this the hard way when her dance partner did not realize she was saying she was hot temperature-wise. Uh, update. A kind friend just wrote me, it was because I said estoy cali, 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 cliente, caliente and not tengo color. Uh, Cuero Cierto Dale. Uh, as tourists to town, he pointed out, if you want to fit in, fit in, you need to drop C and start using local speak. So maybe Claro means yes. Lindo or Linda. Colombians love to marvel at beauty and bonita, hermosa, hermosa. Uh, guapa and pericosa weren't cutting it. So you often hear them use Lindo or Linda to describe pretty things. Chivere, Chimba, and Beccano are all ways to say something is cool, though Chimba trumps Chivere in the same way awesome trumps cool. But be, be careful because Chimba can also uh, mean a, a female body part, so don't overuse it, I guess. Por fa. Uh, like our shortened expressions in English, por favor is... Uh, too much for many Colombians, so it's called porfa. Porfa. Maybe. It's the only slang that annoyed this person as it wasn't in any dictionary. Let's just run through the comments. Uh, wandering trader said you forgot oye par parque, parche, or something, and el fin, but they didn't write what it means. And then Santiago said, let's just say comucho gusto means with all my pleasure. And then uh, this is a good one. Frederico says guevona, which means lazy. And I know Jesse, Jose said that to Walt. I think it was guevona. And then they said they also forgot baraca and hoyo. Uh, baraca, hoyo is their way of saying, you know, or you understand. Like, uh, we're going to meet somewhere. Hoyo, got it. 
Uh, these are from Jerry in the comments. Un tinto black coffee. Uh, un perico black coffee or uh, dope. Un pintado coffee again. Yave means friend or amigo. We knew that. Uh, Marca Gato, cheap knockoff. Uh, mono means cute. Is Coco means cute. Que Hubo, uh, I think that means what's up. Uh, Baraka can mean a badass, cool, hardworking woman, Angelica says. And then uh, I hop in says, Con mucho gusto means with much pleasure they enjoyed helping you. Mucho gusto means they enjoyed meeting you. Much pleasure. Uh, parcer, parcero means um, um, amigo too, according to Simon. Ome is abbreviation of hombre. Cizas uh, means yes. But you have to use it with something else like uh, something, I don't know. Uh, Mija or mijo, we know what that means. That's used in America, like a little one, little buddy. So that's a little bit more about slang from Bacon is Magic. Thank you. So in the tradition of learning more about Colombia with this podcast and saying, geez, could we learn some stuff? Could I learn some stuff? Could could I say, well, I'll present any lulling, soothing tones and maybe say, well, maybe I'll be a little bit less of an ignoramus. Or at least I can do it with some respect to the country for hosting my ignorance. You know, I said, well, geez, maybe I should start with what city is Game of... <laughs> There's my ignorance. What city is Game of Thrones filmed in in, in, in Colombia? Uh, no city scooter. Oh, I, I mean metastasis. Uh, I said, geez, is that Bogota or Medellin? And I, I said, well, let's just start with Bogota because it starts closer to the beginning of the alphabet. But that's the capital city of Colombia. And it's in the uh, Kundi... Uh, Kundi Amarica Department. It's got a population of 7.9 million uh, as of 2015, so that's pretty good size. And it's got some, you know, the, the greater metropolitan area has about 13 million people. And also in terms of land area, Bogota is the largest city in Colombia, one of the biggest in Latin America. And it figures among the top 25 largest cities in the world. And not only that, it's the second highest capital city in South America at 2,640 20, meters or 8,660 feet above sea level. And Quito is the only higher city. It's got libraries. It's got universities. It's been called the Athens of South America. And also has the largest moorland in the world. Uh, History-wise, the first uh, Bogota was populated by indigenous peoples from uh, that migrated from Mesoamerica, uh, which we talked about a couple episodes ago, the Musicas, who settled in some of the regions near Bogota. Then came the Spanish colonizers, which had a settlement at Gonzalo Jimenez de Quesada, and later New Granada. And then with independence, Bogota became the capital of Gran Colombia, and later the capital of the Republic of Colombia. 
Uh, now, in the pre-Columbian era, the Musicas were members of the Chibicha language family. And when the conquistadors, the conquerors came, it was estimated there was a half a million indigenous people there. A lot of that we covered a couple episodes ago. Now, next thing up is the Gonzalo Jimenez de Quesada expedition. In 1533, there was a belief that the Rio Grande de Magdalena was a trail to the South Sea to Peru to Peru's legendary El Dorado. So this guy Gonzalo, you know, a conquistador type, he, he headed down there in uh, fifteen thirty six with five hundred soldiers towards the center of Colombia. He divided into two groups. One he was in charge of, the other was Diego de Urbino, which would go upriver. Uh, when they arrived there, uh, they met some of the indigenous people, traded for cotton and fish. And Jimenez said, you know what, forget about Peru and crossing the mountains for salt. He said, let's just stick here. There's crops, there's trails, salt cakes, corn, yucca beans. Why don't we just exploit this, he said, this beautiful land. And I think that's what they did. And they also said, hey, while we're at it, let's steal some gold and some emeralds. And then they plundered some cities. Great work, guys. Great. And then they said, hey, we're not done. Let's force our religious beliefs on you and colonize you folks. So following the, and this is Wikipedia with my paraphrasing. So, you know, just beware. Don't say this in history class. Especially if you go to like the you know a Spanish colonial school, you'll probably get an F. Uh, but following the conqueror's motto to found and to populate, you know they built an urban area, and then they started build you know building it into a city with a plaza. Now it's called Plaza de Bolivar. In 1553, it's called the main plaza, and they put a cathedral there. And the royal audience thingamajig. And then the population started growing. By 1789, there was 18,000 inhabitants. 18, 19, 30,000. And then the importance grew when they created a diocese. Uh, so that's some history from the 1800s. Not very great. In the 19th century, political uneasiness fell over all the Spanish colonies. In many different ways, because people were seeking independence. So there was things like the revolutionary of the Comuneros, uh, which was suppressed by the Spanish. And then 1810 to 1850, La Patria Boba. La Patria Boba, I like that. The Foolish Fatherland. Uh, And then there was more... 1819, 1849, there, there was no fundamental changes from the colonial period. But then they started to get some fundamental reforms. They abolished slavery. Something about religion, it doesn't say. Teaching, print, speech, industry, trade freedom. Uh, during the 70s, radicalism accelerated some of the reforms. And some of the established uh, social institutions were modified. 
However, during the second half of the century, the country faced permanent pronouncements, declaration of rebellions between states, factions resulting in civil wars, and there was even a thousand-day war. It was called the Thousand Days War from 1899 to 1902. But after independence, Bogota enjoyed the privilege of being the main educational and cultural center of the new nation. In 1823, after the formation of the Grand Columbia, the public library, now the National Library, was enlarged and modernized with new volumes and better facilities. The National Museum was founded, and those institutions were of great importance to the new republic's cultural development. The Central University was the first state school, precursor to the current National University, founded in 1867 and domiciled in Bogota. And then a uh, tramway on uh, December 25th. So look what Santa Claus brought. Uh, 1884, December 25th, 1884, the first tramway pulled by mules was inaugurated and covered the route from the Plaza de Bolivar to Chapinrino. And in 18, 1892, there was a line linking the plaza to La Sabana Station. The tramway ran over wood rails, though since it easily was derailed, steel rails from England were imported and installed. Uh, by 1894, a car was running that line every 20 minutes, and it was provided services until 1948 when it was replaced by buses. And I don't know if it was that, that Robert, Roger Rabbit hubbub where you know, that consortium bought up all the tram lines. Uh, regeneration. Pra President Rafael Nunez declared the end of federalism, and in 1886 the country became a centrist republic ruled by a constitution in force, save some amendments up until 1981. In the middle of political and administration avatars, Bogota, Colombia continued as the capital and principal political center of the country. Now listen to this population explosion. From a base of only 20,000 people in 1793, the city grew to 117,000 in 1912. Uh, population growth was rapid after 1870, largely because of immigration from the eastern highlands. Uh, 20th century, early in the 20th century, Colombia faced devastating consequences from the 1,000 Days War, and they lost to Panama. Uh, between 1904 and 1909, the lawful lawlessness of the Liberal Party was reestablished, and President Rafael Reyes endeavored to implement a national government. Peace and, state re peace and state reorganization generated the increase of economic activities. Bogota started a deep architectural and urban transformation with significant industrial and artisan production increases. In 1910, the industrial exposition of the century took place at the Park of Independence. Stands built evidence industrial artisan work, bow arts, electricity and machinery progress. The period from 1910 to 1930 is designated conservative hegemony. 
Between 1924 and 1928, hard union struggles began with oil fields and banana zone worker strikes. Uh, Bogota had practically no industry. Uh, production was basically artisan work grouped in specific places similar to commercial sectors. Plaza de Bolivar and surroundings lodged to hat stores. Uh, then there's luxury stores selling imported products, tailor shops, and then four main banks. Uh, that, that paragraph doesn't make any sense to me. But following the Banana Zone uh, uprising, uh, Enrique Olia Herrera took office in 1930. Uh, the Liberal Party reformed during the 16 years of the so-called Liberal Republic. I guess the reforms were agricultural, social, political, labor, economic, educational, administrative. Unions were strengthened. Education expanded. And then by 1948, the fourth centenary of Bogota's foundation, the population reached 333,000 inhabitants. Uh, the celebration produced a large number of infrastructure works, new construction work sources. Following the 1946 Liberal Party division, a conservative candidate took the office again in 1948. Uh, Bogota's uh, downtown was virtually destroyed after uprisings after that uh, president was lost. Uh, from then, Bogota's urgent urban architecture, from then, Bogota's urban architecture and population sectors were substantially reorganized. Let's talk geography for a bit. Uh, Bogota is located on the west of the savanna of Bogota. And like we said, it's about 8,000 feet above sea level. Although it's located in what's popularly called a savanna, the site's actually a high plateau in the Andes Mountains. Uh, the region is known as the high plateau of Cundiamarca and Boyaca. Uh, the Bogota River crosses the savanna, forming the Tequamena Falls, you know, Tequendama Te Te Falls to the south. Uh, tributaries form uh, valleys with flourishing villages where the economy is based on agricultural livestock and artisanal, ar artisanal production. Uh, Savannah is bordered to the east by the uh, Andes. Uh, surrounding hills which limit city growth run north to south, south to north. Uh, parallel to the Guadalupe and Manzarate Mountains. Uh, the western city limit is the Bogota River. And then the Sumapaz Paramo moorland borders the south. And to the north, the Bogota extends over the plateau and up into the towns of Chia and Sopa. Uh, let's talk climate next. Uh, Bogota has a subtropical highland climate. Temperature is... Uh, the average temperature is 14.5 Celsius, that's 58 degrees Fahrenheit, and varies from 6 to 19 Celsius, which is 43 to 66 Fahrenheit in fair skies. Uh, but it can get, you know, go from 50 to 64, 10 to 18 in rainy days. Dry and rainy seasons alternate throughout the year. 
Driest months are December, January, July, and August. Warmest month, you know, here's a pro tip. Warmest month is March. Uh, coolest nights are in January. Uh, the city that has fog in the early morning, usually 220 days a year. Uh, while sunny days are quite unusual. Okay, well, maybe that's, you know, probably because it's so up high, the, I'm guessing the highest temperature recorded was only uh, 30 degrees Celsius, 86 Fahrenheit. And the lowest temperature, though, was only negative 7.1 Celsius, 19 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, the rainiest months are April, May, September, October, and November, where days are mostly overcast. It's starting to sound a little bit like a bummer weather-wise, with low clouds and some winds. Maximum temperatures of 18 or 64, and lows of 7 or 45. Uh, When temperatures are consistent, weather conditions can change dramatically. While temperatures are relatively consistent, it can change dramatically. Climactic conditions are irregular due to El Nino and La Nina which occur around the Pacific Basin, including the Bay Area here, and they can make the weather unpredictable with sunny mornings or stormy afternoons, commonly referred to as sol de lluvia, literally the rain sun. I like that, if I could ever pronounce it. Uh, the the fall of hail or hailstorm was a rare phenomenon between 1939 and 2008. There was 231 events, and in recent years has increased even more. Uh, in 2015, the fall of hail reached three meters of depth on March 22nd. Wow. Uh, most hailstorms occur during the rainy season. You know, during due to like hail type stuff, and we'll just finish up with urban layout and nomenclature, and then if we want to you know, learn more about it, we can next time. Uh, Bogota has twenty localities or districts forming extensive neighborhood and networks. Areas of a higher economic status tend to be located in the north and northeast. Poor neighborhoods are located in the south and southeast. And the middle class inhabits the central, western, and northwestern session, sections of the city. So I guess segregation is not just an American thing, which we I guess we already knew that. Uh, the urban layout of the center of the city is based on the focal point of the square or plaza, typical of Spanish-founded sediments, where the layout gradually becomes more modern in outlying neighborhoods by uh, the current Types of roads are classified as calles, which run perpendicular to the Corridia, with street numbers increasing towards the north and often towards the south from Calle Zero. Carreras run parallel to the hills, with numbers increasing as one travels east or west of Carrera 1, with the suffix este for eastern roads. And they also use sur for southern roads. Uh, at the southeast of the city, addresses are logically Sir Este. Yeah, nice to meet you. I'm Sir Este. I'm the I'm the teacher of streets. Other types of road more common in the new parts of cities might be termed 
e hay axes diagonal or transversal. Uh, the numbering systems for street addresses recently changed. There's some more good news. And numbers are assigned according to street rank from main avenues to smaller avenues to local streets. Some of Bogota's main roads go by a proper name in addition to numbers. So I just want to go through the historical population again because I'm so impressed with the growth and when it became. So let's just run through. Starting in 1775, there was about 16,000. 1800, 21,000. 1832, 28,000. 1870, 40,000. In 1912, 121. 1918, 143. Now we start to get some big league growth here. So there's 143. It bumps up to 1828 to 235. That's 63%. 1838, 1938, 325, that's 38%. 1951, 715%, uh, 715,000, that's 119%. Then we hit the million mark, but not just the million mark. We go from 715,000 to almost 1.7 million. That's 137%. Man, next thing you know, we hit the 1970s with 2.8 million, 68% growth. Start the 80s off in the middle of the 80s with 4.2 million. Hit the 90s, 1993, 5.4 million. 99, 6.2. And then we start to kind of start to slow it down. 2005, 6.8. 2010, 7.3. Still growing, though. 2012, 7.5, and 2015, 7.976, 700. So that's a little bit about Bogota. And, uh, you know, we'll learn more. We'll keep trying to learn more about Colombia when we can. All right. Thanks. All right. I would just want to look up uh, language learning. I looked this up on Lifehacker. And it has, it has more than one article, but we'll just read this one. It's five best language learning tools. This is from uh, Alan Henry. It was written by, and it's from 10-20-13, so October 20th, 2013. Uh, so this is uh, older, but uh, it has the five best language tools. is Anki, A-N-K-I. Anki, Japanese for memorizing flashcard that's been around for years. And it's focused on memorization. And it's great for, you know, not just languages, but learning other things. And it's free, but donations are accepted. And there's Memrise, or Memories, I don't know. And uh, it's a language learning program that extends beyond vocabulary and language, uh, you know, things like history, science. Uh, but at its core, it's a... Uh, its focus is largely memorization, but it's also supposed to be fun. It gamifies the process. And you can try it before you sign up. It says it has free apps, um, and you can take your lessons on those. Then there's Duolingo, which is what Alexandra recommended to me. And that takes a different approach to learning a new language rather than just, you know, we should reach out to these Duolingo people. 
than just memorizing. It allows you to learn a new language while translating sites on the web. How about barely translating TV shows? It has language learning programs and lessons for its users. You take the lessons, you translate the web as you browse. Effectively learning to read and speak the language you're interested in by looking at and hearing what the native speakers are writing and saying. Of course, you'll spend most of your time translating, seeing the language visually, and dictating. There are some speech exercises, though they're not the primary primary focus. Uh, But one of the coolest things they say about it is that it checks your progress as you go. And it's earned a lot of praise. Then there's the Pimsleur method, which is an audio-based method that focuses on participation and speaking and sound exercises. If you've ever seen the uh, parody of someone listening to a tape that repeats them, that's what the Pimsleur message is similar to. This is a reading of vocabulary exercises, but it focuses on speaking exercises. And each exercise is 30 minutes. It's a commercial product, so you're going to have to pay. Then there's a live mocha, uh, which is extremely comprehensive, packed with native speakers, 12 million people. Instruction in 38 languages, relatively new and completely free, a lot of it. Uh, It's web-based, live classes, conversations, videos. And uh, it was recently, this was two years ago, but it was acquired by Rosetta Stone. So we'll see what what has happened. But I'll tell you another place to look is your local library. I know my local library has live mocha and mango languages. And at some point during this series, hopefully I'll take that, you know, that up, that resource. So that's just a little bit from Lifehacker about some language tools. And hopefully I'll post that in the show notes.